Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain. Crossover, step back! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brain back. It is another edition of the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. The Crossover presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. And we're just going to dive right in today with the Fully Loaded Question of the Week. Richard in Athens wants to know, Brain, when will the madness stop with all of this transfer nonsense? Well, it's not. The players have uh, have finally found that they've got some power in the relationship with uh, with coaches, and this is, uh, I mean, we're just cracking the nut on this. Absolutely, and then this is where we're going to start the podcast today. Uh, our, our second half will, will be devoted to the NFL playoff games coming up this weekend, the AFC and NFC championship game, but you make a great point. The players, in terms of the college football landscape and really the landscape of sports in this country, have started to figure out more that they have power. For so long, the NCAA has been able to operate with impunity. You know, they haven't had anybody checking them. They've just been able to exploit essentially free labor. It's not free, but you know what I mean when I say that. And and just collect these piles of money for years and years and years off the back of work that, you know, the players were doing. And so, for me... This is the NCAA kind of getting a taste of their own medicine, or maybe that's not the right word, but but a little like schadenfreude from my perspective because I'm enjoying watching the NCAA squirm here and try to figure this out because, again, you know they've been allowed to operate, I said, with impunity and, and just the ability to not be checked when, you know, A.J. Green gets punished for selling his personal property. Uh, Todd Gurley gets punished for trying to uh, make money off of his own likeness that who creates your own likeness oh you so he's trying to do that and then you also have situations where like the NCAA would have these stupid rules where like a school could give a player a bagel but if they gave him cream cheese it was a, a secondary violation or right. something so they've just had all this stupid nonsense surrounding them for years and then finally now that the players have started to realize hey we might have a little more power here yeah the NCAA starting to squirm a little bit and I for one am enjoying watching it well, in the transfer standpoint, I mean, they've definitely been helped, too, by the uh, by a strong negative reaction to these schools that have blocked players from going to other places because we all know it doesn't work that way with, um, you know, with coaches. Coaches are trying to move their way up and uh, put themselves in better positions, and then these uh, these players are finding ways to do that as, uh, as well. I mean, and I, I really don't understand how it even gets to the point, like just a couple of days ago, uh, you know, we found out Jalen Hurts is going to go to Oklahoma, while at the same time Oklahoma was blocking their old quarterback Austin Kendall from going to West Virginia. Asinine, completely ridiculous. Right, but then you know, eventually they relented, and they always do. Well, I, a lot but, of it was public backlash. Well, I think like people were like slamming them because Baker Mayfield transferred to Oklahoma from Texas Tech. 
and the Big 12 bent over backwards to give Baker another year of eligibility. Right, and they benefited from a transfer in Kyler Murray, and they're going to benefit from another transfer in Jalen Hurts. But that's something I'm, I don't understand why the schools even get to the point where they put themselves out there to 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 gain any of the negative publicity because they always end up relenting and giving in once they start to get that backlash, which they always do. Because I, I you know, in this day and age, I mean, you don't want anything that can be presented negatively to you on the recruiting trail. And if you're going to do that, then you know that's going to happen. Yeah, and I think more and more we're starting to see, you know, with player power. This one's interesting. I know it's not football, but it's still this school's most high-profile sport, and. Uh, I'm talking about Duke and Zion Williamson because Scottie Pippen had a pretty interesting take the other day about just basically Zion Williamson's already proven himself to be the number one overall pick most likely, so he should sit out and preserve himself for his business interests. And it's interesting to me when I when I think about this because while that seems like patently ridiculous that you would just stop playing, you know, and 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 sit out and abandon your teammates and things like that. It certainly is interesting to think about it from a business standpoint because I look at a like a Justin Herbert, for example, from Oregon. He decides to go back to college, and I don't think because there's so many people that sit there and 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 from you know from their perch and say this is the right decision for you or this is the wrong decision for you. How can people that aren't in the situation make those kind of judgments or cast those kind of you know aspersions? You know what I mean? Because if you're Justin Herbert and you feel the best thing for you is to go back to college and play another year, business, money-wise, whatever, that might not make the most sense. But again, that's not the only thing that these players have to consider. It's a big part of it, but being happy is part of it too. Yeah, I mean, if if he individually is enjoying the college experience and he's willing to put off playing as a pro, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've been on Twitter lately, Sam, but everyone is an expert on everything. Well, of course, and and that's what uh, I'm saying. Like Everybody that sits here and just casts these judgments on people, I'm like, first of all, everybody's situation is going to be different. You know, uh, Matthew Stafford, for example, I know he left after his junior year, but guess what Matthew Stafford wasn't doing? He wasn't hurting because his family comes from Highland Park, Texas. They got money, so they're not concerned. But a player like, you know, Zion Williamson or uh, a good example is uh, Jamarcus Russell, who came from very, you know, humble beginnings. These guys are going to have chances to maximize their value and, and, and make money. And I don't fault somebody for leaving early, just like I don't fault someone for coming back. I, yeah. I just think everybody's situation is different. Well, it's kind of like it's not that different with uh, with Kyler Murray right now. Everyone's got uh, should, he should play baseball. No, he should play. He football. should do what he wants to yeah, do. Which, How about I that? mean, which he's going to do, and that's fine. I mean, we've all got opinions on maybe what we would do if we were in his position. But but it's just, the it's thing it's is, a solid is, black and white of the decisions yeah. where people are like, either yes, he should do this, or no. That's not what life is. There's yeah, so many us, different things to consider. None of us know what we would do in his situation because no. none of us are in his situation. So I'd play the sport that I want to play the most. And here's the thing with Kyler Murray. People talk about baseball being less of a chance of injury and, and more of a chance for guaranteed money because the contracts are guaranteed. Well, if Kyler Murray gets past his first contract in the NFL and signs a second quarterback contract – that will be worth more than I think what he can make in baseball. Sure, and he's almost, if you get drafted in the first round, even if you end up uh, failing, you're almost certain if you're a high draft pick like Murray, you're going to get another chance in that second contract. So, And that's the thing, he'll make way more money on those two contracts in the NFL 
Because look at what, especially with quarterbacks, look at the guarantees that quarterbacks are getting now. Matt Ryan just got $100 million guaranteed. Yeah. So, I mean, he could I, mean make... I don't think Kyler Murray's up to that level, but he could still get a lot of money and a lot more than he could get playing baseball. he's good, yeah. I mean, he's got a, you know, it, it all comes down to where he's going to get uh, drafted. I mean, I guess long term, you've got the opportunity for maybe more years of, there's more, there's a longer earning potential in Major League Baseball, but... Listen, he knows how good he is at each sport. I've never seen him play baseball. I've seen his slash lines for the little he has played at Oklahoma yeah. collegiately. I did watch him last year play football, and he's I know good. he's only five foot nine, <laughs> but he was pretty good at football. Well, so. yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, there's so many old definitions of what a quarterback is, too. It's like, oh, well, he's five foot nine. He can't be successful. How do you know? Because yeah. we've never really seen it. I mean, thankfully, the NFL is finally adapting. I mean, you're seeing more and more of these NFL offenses, running offenses that we see in college. I mean, the you know, uh, like honestly, like when the Chiefs drafted Pat Mahomes, I I thought they were crazy, but mostly because crazy like a fox. <laughs> but mostly because like this is an NFL team. What are they going to do with him? Just you know, bring him in to run a pro style offense? But no, that's not what they've done, and he's flourished with it. So finally, the NFL's adapting to what college is producing and it's not like I mean I swear I think Jeff Fisher ruined Vince Young because like we're going to draft Vince Young but now you're going to you're going to come in we're not going to build our offense around what you, you have to do come well. and do what we do. Yeah, you have to you have to run a pro offense. Well, and that's now. the thing. There's there were so many in this old guard of coaches in the NFL that kind of feels like it's getting pushed out a little bit because we have these new ones coming in, these new guys that have, you know, new ideas yeah, like on McVay, offense. Sean McVay. Yes. That's the thing. I got so tired of it over the years with, you know, Jamar, or, um, Lamar Jackson's not a fit for the pros, or this guy's not a fit for the pros. No, he's not a fit for you tired offensive coordinators who don't want to change your offenses to have better players. Vince Young is a great example. And, and Jared Goff, too, because look at what Jeff Fisher had with Jared Goff and how crap he was. And then when McVay gets there... Jared Goff's like a Pro Bowl quarterback. I know. And look at, I mean, Case Keenum was with the Rams that year. Last year, they were in the NFC Championship game with the uh, with the Vikings. So, yeah, I'm convinced. I mean, that guy completely ruined Vince Young. He did, and that's the thing. It's this, this old guard of NFL coaches that were so lazy that you in college have to come adapt to my system. Well, how about you go get the Heisman Trophy winner and fix – because that's the thing. If he's tearing it up in that level – then you've got to believe that it's some that, that he can do something similar at the NFL level. So why don't you adapt your system? Because if you adapt your system to him like Sean McVay has done and like some of these coaches have done, guess what? You're going to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Because there's still a lot of stubborn coaches that don't want to make those changes. Slowly. Like the, a Marvin Lewis. Yeah. And he's gone Or a, a Hugh Jackson. Oh, boy. Slowly. The, well, I go Baker Mayfield. That's a great example. Yeah. Because Baker Mayfield, when Freddie Kitchens took over and, and the offense was changed, Baker Mayfield was fantastic. Baker Mayfield wasn't that great under uh, Hugh Jackson, and Hugh Jackson didn't even want to start him. And they started giving the ball to, uh, oh yeah, Nick s- Chubb. To Nick Chubb. Yeah, that that helped. Too. But um, by the way, I think it's great too that the uh, that that the Browns hired just this fat redneck from Alabama to be their uh, to be head Kitchens. coach. But he uh, maybe fat was too harsh. Plump. I'll round. Plump, round. He's in shape. His Portly. Shape is round. Yep. Portly. I like that one. But Portly. you know what he did, though? I mean, he hired Tosh Lupoy away from Alabama. That's the first guy that's left Alabama that I think actually does hurt Alabama. Well, for recruiting, yes. I, I do do think that Nick Saban wanted to make some changes in terms of, like, because Tosh Lupoy is the defensive coordinator. No, yeah, he was. Probably not great. Right. But Tosh Lupoy, the recruiter, yeah, that's going to hurt Alabama for sure. I mean, the reason Saban made him his defensive coordinator was recruiting. I'm trying to keep you around. Even when he was just the 
I mean, the guy was like the inside linebackers coach was his title, and he was making like coordinator money. Right. And that's some, I mean, I guess, you know, that kind of shows you how valuable Saban thought of him. So what is he leaving to be like the, just a line coach or something? I think something it's the defensive line coach at, at uh, Cleveland. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's a big loss for Alabama. Every, you know, every other assistant they've turned over and, um, you know, every all all the players that leave early, like we've seen Alabama, they just they keep refilling. But that's that's one I think, you know, potentially could could hurt. Yeah, I mean Alabama also loses a quarterback in Jalen Hurts. So, you know, if Tua who was hurt for the for a good bit of this season, you know, not wasn't hundred percent, you know, you don't really have that option to fall back on. I'm not hundred percent sure what they did in recruiting at the quarterback position. But it hasn't really ever been one other than getting Tua. Tua. In there. I guess they got his brother. Yeah. His little brother. That's true. But um but you know, back to like the original thing and, and yeah, the transfer. The transfer. You know, so many people are like it's ruining my favorite sport. Do we really want free agency in college football? And my thought is, free agency has not dampened my enthusiasm for pro sports. Nope. And B, it's actually making this month of the off season more exciting. interesting yes, now. Like, oh, absolutely. where's this guy going to go? So honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm I like fine it. With it. No, I'm fine with it too, and that's the thing. It, is it going to negatively affect Georgia? Yes, it already has. But you know what? It's negatively affecting other teams too. It's so gonna, everybody's yeah. got to deal with it. Is everybody now in this landscape? Everybody's dealing with the same parameters. And if you're a coach that wants to sign every five star that you possibly you can, then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to accept the fact that if some aren't getting the playing time that they want to get, that they're gonna go and seek other opportunities and that's fine but and I think I love the way Kirby handled the Justin Fields thing because I think that's how you have to react to that I mean I'm sure Kirby wasn't happy about it I mean yeah who right now I mean George is in a tight spot if Fromm gets hurt next year yeah but if Kirby wants to keep signing all the five stars he can I mean you certainly can't take up a hard stance against no. one that wants to uh, wants to leave no and I understand it's like I, this is how I feel about it I don't like the way that Justin Fields was handled on the field, but I do like the way that he was handled off the field. Like that plugging him in for one play, that's another discussion for another day. But I will say that the everything surrounding the Sugar Bowl was awkward, but I understand what Kirby's position is because if you basically go out and say, yeah, Justin wants to transfer, so he's not going to be involved with our team anymore – that might look bad in recruiting. Yeah, so exactly. So it's, it's that fine line he had to toe. Look, you and I could sit here. There's no way in God's green earth Justin Fields was ever going to see the field in the Sugar Bowl. No, and good. No chance. If if Fromm had gotten hurt in that game, Matthew Downing was going to go in. And, and he transferred. And he transferred, yes. But <laughs> that's the thing. Like, there's no way, no chance in hell Justin Fields was going to see the field at the Sugar Bowl. It was no, not going he to shouldn't, happen. He shouldn't and have. And he shouldn't have. Unless you knew he was going to come back, which which he wasn't. And now he's thing. at Ohio State. Right. And, and and like you said, Coach Smart, I think, handled it about as well as he could because there was a fine line he had to toe there. And as as a fan, I saw that, and I'm like, well, just kick, just get him out of here. But, you know, when you think about no, it. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, he, he was on the team this year. He contributed to the team. So he got to make the trip and collect his gift suite. From the uh, from the Sugar Bowl right. and all that, and that's you know. But if Kirby wanted to be like a hard ass and be like, "No, you're either with us or you're against us," then that uh, potentially certainly could have been a a turn off to to future recruits that might have wanted to uh, to sign here and saying, "Well, you know, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. You know, what if I I don't like my situation and I do feel like one day I need to get out?" And I think to round out this transfer conversation before we switch gears here, I just want to say it like this, and I want to send a message to kind of the the get off my lawn older school mentality sports fan. Times are changing. Like, just because that's how things were doesn't mean that's how things are. And so I see all these people, you know, bitching and moaning about, 
Kyler Murray or, you know, any of these guys, Justin Fields, any of these guys. And again, it's like how things were and how things are now are different. And it, it, you just have to accept it because it's not going backwards. Well, it's, yeah. it's going forward. So I think now with players transferring and everything like that, here's the thing. Just enjoy the games when they're being played. There's too much stuff that goes on off the field that you can't control that people just get so upset and so like pissed off about. And I'm just sitting there like, look, these changes are for the better because they're giving the players more liberty. And I don't people will sit there on their on their, you know, in their armchairs and be that armchair analyst or whatever, say, This is horrible for college football and all this stuff. It's like so people realizing that they can have more personal liberty and trying to exploit that personal liberty that's horrible. That's bad. How would you feel if you were in there? Well, I mean, for the, yeah, for those that just want to sit back and be entertained by them, it okay. is. But the players, the players have, have figured out uh, as much as people would have, have wanted to argue in the past that it's about the name on the front of the jersey, not the back of it. The players know full well it is about the name on the back of it. And if they didn't have any value, Kirby wouldn't be flying around the state in a helicopter trying to get him to sign here. He would just be sitting at home with his family and um, not wasting all that time then. But they do matter. The times are changing and either just accept it or be a crusty old curmudgeon, complain about it, and be one of those people. But I'm not going to be that, and I'm trying to help people realize that these changes – while, yes, the sports aren't always going to be the same. Things are going to change. Leather helmets are going to turn into acrylic helmets, which are going to turn into microfiber helmets. You know what I mean? All yeah. these things are changing. These changes ultimately are for the better because I said this to start this segment, and I'll say it in. The NCAA has been allowed to operate with impunity, making a lot of money off the backs of players who they don't allow to you know, exploit their likeness. They don't allow to sell their own personal property. So again, I mean, this is just a situation where the players have finally figured out that they have leverage and more power to, you know, game a system that has been gaming them for decades. Yeah, I mean, to go back to this kid, Austin Kendall from Oklahoma. Okay, he signed with Oklahoma, and then they went out and still they 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 kept they played Mayfield, who was a transfer. Then they brought in another transfer, and he's sitting there like. Can I get a game? Right. So, no, I mean, I, I guess I'm not. I respect. Now I'm still here, and now you're going to bring in another transfer, so I would like to go someplace else. And he, yeah. I mean, he is, and he's got that ability, and I'm glad that he does. And there have been two instances recently where, according to the recruit, schools blatantly lied to them. Dwan Mathis told Mike Griffith of DogNation.com that the coaches at Ohio State told him directly they were not going after Justin Fields. Well, that's a lie. And now recently, with Oklahoma, there was one of their recruits at quarterback, uh, I think a 2019 guy, who said, yeah, Coach Riley told me that they are not going after any transfer quarterbacks. Lie! So the, the if these schools are just going to boldface lie to the kids, well, then you're damn right the kids deserve a little bit of power to try and get out of this stuff. Which is funny because that's where Jaden Hazelwood ended up, and he was the one saying that Georgia's coaches were like used car salesmen. Which, again, Georgia's situation was different. That wasn't Jim Cheney getting fired. That was him electing the league. Right. Well, also, Hazelwood had already decommitted and was on his way to Oklahoma even before Cheney got fired. So right. the timing's still weird anyway. But, I mean, listen, it's, I'm sure Georgia's coaches do are used car salesmen, but that's not unlike any coaches. They're going to tell you what uh, – they're going to do whatever it takes to, to close the deal. Oh, yeah, and if this were Georgia and if Georgia's out there bold-faced lying to kids, then, quite frankly – 
You deserve every bad thing that comes to you. Not just Georgia, anyone. Oklahoma, Ohio State. You're just going to lie to kids to get them to come to you and then bury them on your depth chart. And then they should be allowed to transfer. They, they, you have no recourse. Yeah, and I mean, and now we're 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 getting to a day and age where they are. I mean, we've got the the beauty of the transfer portal that we get to uh, to to look at all the names in it. And to me, it's like, yeah, it is kind of like free agency now in college football. But it's made it's made this month of January more interesting. Oh, okay, Wimbush is at Central Florida. Yeah. Now Hertz is going to Oklahoma and. It does. It provides more intrigue because you know these names already and they're going to different places. So, no, I'm right there with you. Tathan Martell is going to Miami. Tathan. Give me a break. (laughs) All right, that was our fully loaded question of the week. If you would like to have your question be the fully loaded question of the week, please email 960theref at coxradio.com. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back with a little NFL playoffs talk as championship weekend is upon us right here on The Crossover on 960theref.com. Friends and family piled around the table, sharing big cheesy slices of pizza, golden baked calzones and strombolis, platefuls of zesty lasagna. It's not Nana's Kitchen in Southern Italy. It's Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. At Fully Loaded, you'll find all these Italian favorites like wings, salads, and hoagies. A full bar and patio, too. Family dinner, date night, or hanging out with friends. Get more out of it at Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in the Manners Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. What's up, guys? Back here on the crossover. Sam Franco, Chris Bram along with you. We are presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. And, Brame, it is championship weekend. It is upon us. The AFC championship game, Chiefs and Patriots in a frigid Arrowhead Stadium. Game temps are expected to be like 8 degrees. And it'll be 70 and sunny in the Superdome when, in the NFC championship game, you have Todd Gurley and the Rams taking on a Sheldon Rankinless New Orleans Saints. Yeah, it's so I'm I'm kind of neutral here. I'm not a diehard Falcons fan, so honestly, I don't really care if the Saints end up in the the Super Bowl in Atlanta <laughs> and and practicing for a week at Flowery Branch. <laughs> but um, like so for me, there's there's any any combination of outcomes this weekend I think is going to produce a great Super Bowl match. Neutrally, so, I'd agree with you. Yeah. I, I would say that any of these games are going to be good. I. You know, just uh, a little... Uh, no, I understand. Well, a little patting myself. Not patting myself on the back, but a little insight here. I am desperately pulling for the Chiefs because if the Chiefs win the game and beat the Patriots, somebody may have a ticket to the game. But uh, Real, why, why the Chiefs? Well, because the somebody who has said that I may be able to have their extra ticket, they're big Patriots. Oh. And they have four tickets. But... If the Patriots make the game, all four tickets are accounted for. If they don't make the game, there is an extra ticket. So I am very much rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game because, I mean, who wouldn't want to go to the Super Bowl, obviously? Well, who outside of New England isn't rooting for the Chiefs anyway to to avoid seeing the Patriots? I think I'm going to take the Julian Edelman challenge. He's been wearing that T-shirt, you know, saying bet against us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think, you know what? Okay, I think I will. Now, I bet against him last week. That didn't work out so well. Is that a money me. line or a spread bet? Um, I guess they're kind of the same because the spread's what? The the Chiefs are like a three-point favorite? Three-point favorite. I, yeah, I would just go ahead and lay the field goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, Julian Edelman, I'll bet against you. Eight-degree temperatures on the road or you've been terrible all season. See, I'm going with the Chiefs for a number of reasons. One, what you just said. The Patriots are great in Foxborough. 
not so much on the road, B or two or whatever, I think that, you know, when we did this before the uh, before the last round of NFL games, it just seemed like the Colts were built to go into a snowy, cold environment and win. That did not happen. No, then, you, then you're watching the game and you're like, oh, that's right, dome teams in the playoffs don't travel outside. Right. But now I'm just looking at it as the Chiefs don't look like they're going to be affected by this. I know it's going to be colder than it was last week, but both of these, te- you know, both teams are playing the elements. They're both technically kind of cold weather teams, if you will. So I don't think there's an advantage either way. In fact, it's a disadvantage for both teams to have to play an eight degree temperature. For sure. Now, you know, I think what I think it, when it when you get like extreme cold, it's going to impact the passing game negatively and maybe give a lift to the running game. So. You know, the Chiefs are playing without Kareem Hunt, but they haven't missed him with Damian Williams. No, Damian Their running Williams game's still fine. Really good, yeah. Obviously, the uh, the Patriots now are riding Sony Michelle. So, I mean, you know, I, to me, that's kind of a, a bit of a push there on uh, on that front. But the here's like your sort of random, just arbitrary stat where you can, you know, throw together some numbers and try and make a point. But maybe this is something to, to think about because the Chiefs do have that offense. And, is, and, and their defense was like average this year. But they haven't given up more than 30 points in a game at home in like 34 consecutive games. So if New England, you know, can't slow down the Chiefs' offense, I mean, New England's got a great offense too, but, you know, Kansas City's defense has been, you know, decent, I guess, at home over the last couple of years. And Arrowhead's right up there with CenturyLink in terms of probably the two hardest places to go play, particularly in the playoffs, because if you're in Seattle or Kansas City in the playoffs, guess what? It ain't going to be warm. And it's like a college atmosphere. Right. Yeah. And those are those, those two have that. So I think the I think the environment, I think a lot – it's funny because it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself when I pick the Rams in a minute. But uh, the environment for the Chiefs, that's going to create you know problems, I think, for the Patriots. And I don't know, man. I just – with the Patriots this year, they've gotten much better. They had that week off last week, and I think that – I think we forget because I think the Chargers were a chic pick. But here's the thing. Patriots are playing at home. Patriots had the uh, the bye week there. So I think that obviously helped them out. Well, They and, don't have a bye week this week. And they clearly were motivated by the fact that they were very much aware that like everyone was against them. Chic pick, absolutely. Yeah. All of a sudden it's mm-hmm. like, hey, wait a second. We've been to eight consecutive AFC Championship games, and I'm, I'm, you know, I've got the radio on. I'm listening to watching the TV. Everybody's picking the Chargers, and like Brady had that that post game quote about like, well, you know, I don't know. Everyone says we suck now, yeah. and Edelman's got the T-shirt bet against us. So, and I don't think that there's. This is like a Michael Jordan. You know how Michael Jordan, people used to say that he would just make things up in his head. Like, Patrick Ewing called my mom fat. Right. And they're like, like piss him off, and he'd go for like 50 points, even though that never happened. Yeah. That feels like what this is. The Patriots are trying to call themselves the underdog when everybody's like, dude, shut up. Well, like last week, I, I think they were t- right last week. I mean, it's I mean, it's like the everyone was on the Chargers to beat them yeah. last week. But, you know, this week, because of what they did, now everyone's like... It's kind of even back Oh, yeah, forth. boy. They're we the were, Patriots are going to win. Yeah, like, so now, I mean, I don't see, like, where the every, you know, everyone on the wor- in, in the world is just lining up to take the Chiefs this weekend. But right. I will. I'll take the Julian Edelman challenge, and I'll take the Chiefs. But uh, and all right, you said you're going to take the Rams. I can't. Well, I'm going to take the Chiefs too, just because I really want to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. So, <laughs> so selfishly, you want the Chiefs, and then all right, you you make your case for the Rams. Mine with the with New Orleans is just it's simple. It's Superdome. It's 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I Drew feel, Brees I feel at that. home. I feel that. That that does have a lot to do with this, but that didn't help on last week when they jumped out to a fourteen to nothing deficit. And if the Eagles hadn't, you know, completely could like just fell apart i think they probably would be in this game right now yeah so well, it was a different you know you could fall behind 14 nothing to the rams like the rams are gonna keep, they're gonna hold they're it. gonna keep scoring here's the difference in the game no sheldon rankins for the saints that is a massive blow because that stops their ability or at least hinders their ability to stop the run and you know who can run the ball really well cj anderson and todd Gurley. sure so i think that the rams can you know this is going to be funny because i feel like on offense they're going to come about this with a little bit of a different approach than what you've seen them do with their really high powered offense this could be a game where they just grind it to a halt if you can run the ball with Gurley and anderson minimize drew Brees' opportunities with the ball i think that's the formula for the rams to win this game and plus that rams defense I would give them the edge in defense versus the Saints defense, especially without Sheldon Rankin. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. I'd nudge the uh the Rams a little bit there defensively, plus with a guy like Donald in the middle, you can get to the passer without necessarily blitzing, which yeah. is a which is, you know, a, a huge plus against someone like like Breeze. Mm-hmm. But uh I don't it's it's hard to It is hard uh, to pick against them. And the only re- like <clears throat> if I were being neutral about it, I'd probably pick the Saints. But good God, I will never pick them to go to a Super Bowl in Atlanta. And I think one thing, too, about the Saints is you saw earlier in the year when L.A. went to the Superdome, the Saints jumped them at first. But who was the better team in the second half? It was the Rams. Right. They figured it out. And so if they can kind of use that same kind of playbook as what were we doing in the second half better than we were doing in the first half and use that and roll – then, yeah, I think the Rams will be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Rams have uh, – Hecker's a great punter. Um, I mean, Lutz, you know, the special teams probably are about uh, about equal with Morstead even for uh, for New Orleans, so no real edge there one way or another. Well, and I think, too, the, the veteran DBs that the Rams brought in, Peters and uh, Tlaib. Yeah. You know, they've, they haven't been healthy at all all season, like, at the same time, but I think they're both good for this one, and I think that's big in this game. Well, I think, like – like thinking back to that Monday night game against the Chiefs, like I, I think Talib was he was not he didn't even play in that game. So right. when you think about the Rams defense giving up a bunch of points to the Chiefs offense, but they were they were not healthy then. They are healthier uh, now for That's this the thing, one. Talib and Peters, you've got those two veteran corners on the outside that have been in these kind of situations before. I feel like that experience on the outside. Whereas the Saints don't really have that same kind of secondary experience. Well, I'll give you the the one injury that might be pretty impactful too for the Rams. I mean, some like the dots were connected at the end of the season, like when Jared Goff started to tail off. Right. Like, well, Gurley was banged up or whatever. But I'll tell you why Goff was off at the end of the season because Cooper Cup was his number one weapon. Absolutely. And so Cup has been hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cup did play in that first game against him. So, you know, the Rams missing him on offense. Is you know is probably a bigger deal than the fact that well Gurley's knee was banged up and that's why golf started to uh, to not play right. great toward the um, last couple but of weeks. You know of the who year. looked pretty good last week and not banged up Todd Gurley. So yeah, again, I and then CJ Ant. I mean, they pick up CJ Anderson from I don't know where what he was up to. Me neither. But that's the thing. If both of those guys, I'll just put it this way: don't last week the Saints have Kamara. They do. But last week. But this Kamara is going to have a lot harder of a time running against the Rams, and I feel like the Rams running backs are going to have running against the Saints. And a big part of that is the Sheldon Rankins injury. But if the Rams, if both Gurley and Anderson go over 100 yards again, the Saints aren't winning this game. 
Yeah, that was. I mean, the what the Eagles jumped on them the other day was seven to nothing, and uh, the Saints had run four plays. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, they had kept the ball there away early, and then scored on that next possession to go up fourteen nothing. But New Orleans ended up chipping away at them. But it's to me, I think you got the matchup is even. So like the deciding factor for me is Home the Superdome. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, that's going to be a tough place to play, but. Luckily for the Rams, they've experienced it this season, so it's not something that is foreign. To them. And they were in the Super Bowl the last time it was in Atlanta. Well, there you go. That's so they right. got that going. Yeah, on. they beat the uh, Titans. Jeff Kevin T- Dyson was just reaching yeah, for that goal. Jeff Fisher. Oh, Jeff Fisher. I can't. I still can't believe that guy was like his a coach for as long as he was. Think about it. Like the Rams Titans would be sort of similar to if it was the Rams versus the Chiefs. Oh yeah. For kind of like, mm-hmm. well, that's like a lame sounding Super Bowl but to have in Atlanta. It's not St. Louis anymore. So that helps. And then the potent offense that is the Chiefs. I think that would be a good matchup. Certainly. One, I mean, one more thing too, that I don't think you can just discount, but certainly the NFL would prefer to have Brady and Breeze be like the, the Super Bowl matchup. Mm-hmm. So don't discount that uh, possibility when you see some flags flying this weekend. Here's a bonus fully loaded <laughs> question of the week for you. If certain guys are quarterback whisperers, is uh, Jeff Fisher the quarterback murderer? Yeah, or he just <laughs> screams in their face. That's right, yeah. yes. He's a close talker. We're not going 8-8 eight eight this year because we're going 7-9. and nine. Yeah. Jeff Fisher, he's a bit of a close talker. That's right. He's a quarterback close talker. Oh, the close talkers. Fantastic. All right, that'll wrap things up this week. Remember, if you would like to have your question read as the fully loaded question of the week, send an email to 960theref at coxradio.com. This is the crossover. We are presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Go get you a home team or a Walter White. Yeah, I went there and ate last week. I, I just had a veggie. There you go. Yeah. Had some cheese and sauce and some veggies on it. Banana peppers. Ooh, that's good. good. You know, good crust. The deal with pizza is like the crust and the sauce. Of course. So that's the thing because everywhere, like toppings, like you know, green peppers. It's a green pepperoni. Pepper. That's a green pepper. Right. That's a pepperoni. The cheese and the sauce and the bread. All three of those things because the toppings are all going to be relatively the same. Yeah, right. So those things are key and it fully loaded, delicious. Yeah. No, the so, crust is top notch. So head over there, and if you again, if you want to be the fully loaded question of the week, email 960theref at coxradio.com. He's Chris Frame. I'm Sam Franco. Back next week with another edition of the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.